When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Boulder Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Bolton Pelly! Simply the bond! Sends it to Gord. It has been such a countdown to this moment and perhaps that just magnifies how badly we crave this new season. The people, the people are flowing into the MCG. They're pouring in from the surrounding streets, from Punt Road, from Brunton Avenue, from the stations, the cafes, the restaurants and the pubs of Richmond and we pick up where we left off. Rather beautifully, 2022 starts with the grand final rematch where Melbourne and Bulldogs fans can come and shout to their hearts content and indulge the passions that only footy can bring. It is a reconnection as a new season dawns before us. On AFL Nation, Jared Waitley with you at the MCG. Anthony Hudson is with me. And Hutto, in every imaginable way, it is good to be back. It certainly is, Jared. Hello, everyone. And uh, oh, it is so exciting to be back here. And as you said, to these people that are filling the stands, it's such a such a sight and such a thing to absorb. I was just out the front. The AFL have a festival of footy, which actually is not a bad idea. When you think of it in grand final week, it's really only supporters of two teams that feel like celebrating and they want to celebrate hard and go to the parade and all that and I get that on the on the Friday but in terms of if there was, this was something they could build really the lead into the season is when you have 18 teams or uh, at least the, the, the Victorian teams that uh, all filled with that different degree of optimism um, and uh, they get that chance to, to enjoy. I think it's something if they did decide to go with, they could build into something but as you said, the excitement of people just being back and coming to the MCG, finding their seat coming with the people they've come with for so many years, it's something to cherish and particularly for the Melbourne fans who could own it, most of them, unless you broke the law, could only watch 
from afar last year and it's been a, a bizarre scenario for them as they found different ways of connecting with that, that demon crowd and I think the club have done an awesome job in doing that but now they're back and they're gonna, we're going to see a very special moment shortly. Our AFL Nation broadcast is for Red Energy owned by Snowy Hydro and Regional Development Victoria. We shared many a moment with Nick Del Santo jumping around in studios during the frenzied moments of a final series. Dal, welcome back to the MCG. G Hutto everybody it is lovely to be back now i sit here with a lot of excitement g about the year ahead of us and it's a roller coaster but to be here at the mcg and you touch on all the people coming in i can tell you most of victoria's on punt road right now they're <laughs> all on punt road on their way into this beautiful arena and we get to experience a moment like few others, G, and the Tigers lived this a handful of years ago. It had been a, a, a small drought compared to the 57 years that the D's have been, D supporters that have been waiting. Yet they had to wait a little bit longer because they weren't there. And as you touched on, Huddle, unless you broke the rules and you were over there in person, but they get to share this with someone today. And that's the really special thing about football clubs. They're about people and they're about connection. And I know that they did a small or a couple of smaller events to be able to share this. This is the moment that they get to actually say, hey, we've achieved something as a collective and we are now sharing it with you as a wider collective. And I can't wait to see the looks on their faces and maybe some tears as they stroll down their cheeks. And then a grand final rematch, which always has a particular dynamic to it. And it is unique between pairings. It's really obvious that these two are antagonists. They were before they met up in Perth. They were before they met up in a Perth nightclub in the <laughs> aftermath of it. But it... It doesn't matter whether we think it's real, they do. And so it'll play out before us. So tonight, uh, tomorrow night will be the bigger event. There will be a bigger crowd here for Richmond and Carlton. But tonight's the main event when it comes to the two teams who took us the journey last year. I, I love that these two teams are opening, out, opening up the season. I do. It feels unusual that it's probably a Wednesday night. That sort of catches you off guard a little bit, that you're halfway through the week and footy's upon us. But I love the storyline about these two teams and there was a couple of little extra sprinkles off the back of not only the game but they bumped into each other socially after the event isn't that what football's about isn't it about rivalry and sometimes i feel like we tiptoe around and oh we completely respect the opposition no you don't this is a combative sport and you get to go head to head again and see who comes out on top who did you which collective group and i think i know the answer did you, you know the answer. was there a little bit of angst between well, in your i've shared this story with you both and i know which team you hold true to your heart but <laughs> early days there was a little rivalry between ourselves and geelong now there was a young crop coming through from both teams but as I have jokingly said and lightheartedly said, when Geelong became really good and started beating us, I really dropped that rivalry off. It wasn't quite the same for me when we were getting beaten consistently. And, of course, our co-commentator is not the same man that he used to be, Jared, because he, he's gone across and become a coach in the off-season. So his, his humour is just a little bit less, I think, <laughs> and his demeanour has probably changed over the time, and I think they'll only continue over the years ahead. Now, I don't think I'll ever go bald, and I can thank my father and grandfather <laughs> for that, but I reckon there are a few greys coming through the edges. There are a little bit of salt on the edges of the hair, but... Yeah, it's funny. It gives you a completely different perspective on the game and I, I hope that that helps me in a, in a lot of ways by the way that I analyse the game and what I you know, see and what I'm able to communicate. But it's, uh, it's a different beast, coaching. C can I ask you, how much has it changed your view of a game? And I guess you'll find out when we watch the real games from a tactical point of view versus uh, the stuff that we don't see, the... Uh, the, the 
the lives that the players are living outside yep. of footy and what might be going on that we don't know about. Probably a combination of both. Now, the one that is really hard for us to sit up in these really comfy, you know, easy to view the whole ground perspective is never forget how hard the game is and the decisions that the players are forced to make, both when they've got the football in their hands, but also defensively. And that's something that from a coach's perspective, that it can't be fixed overnight. And to take you inside, you know, my coaching, that I've actually used Melbourne as a, an example for our group in regards to Melbourne's team defence last year was the best of all time in regards to keeping the opposition to an average score of, I think it was mid-50s off the top of my head. But that's been building for years. And when you bring in players like Lever and May, and obviously that complements them and enhances their ability. But that's where the system comes into it, Hutto, and that's where playing roles. And I know... We don't like all those terminologies. We find them very genetic. But within football clubs, role players are so important. And everybody has a role and a task at every moment of the game. It's ultimately who can, you know, control those moments and who can execute under real pressure. And you look at the end of that third quarter of the D's final last year, that's execution of centre square bounce. Like there's a single moment or a single passage of play that is so important. And the D's did it brilliantly. And the dogs, you would, would have thought over the last six months, have got a lot of work to do in that space. So the men's competition makes it to the start is just how fraught all these endeavours are as played out during the day as the women's finals are disrupted as Collingwood doesn't have a team to play the Lions. So that's been postponed for the moment indefinitely, uh, while the other side of the draw might go ahead as scheduled. So... Yeah, a penny for your thoughts on it. You wouldn't have wanted to be the Collingwood coach over the past 12 hours as you started to find out how many were unavailable. It escalated really quickly and we heard some whispers about this over the last day or two. And like all football clubs, when one gets it, and it's never on purpose, no one in any football program that I know of has ever gone to the club um, knowing that they are positive, but it filters through. It's like trying to keep it from your own family, Jared. when you're at home. Like, it is so hard to keep it out. And, you know, every club has done as well as they possibly could to minimise the damage. But just unfortunate timing. But I must say, for part-time athletes, as all female players are, as it currently stands, gee, they've done a really good job and have lived a really diligent and disciplined lifestyle to try and make the season go as long as it can. And this is just another challenge. The, the whole year has been littered with challenges and obstacles and most of them have been overcome. So you'd like to think this one gets sorted as well. I think it's a signal for the first six or eight weeks yeah, of is. the men's competition. If you look at the way Sydney's numbers have spiked today with 30,000 cases and some son of Omicron, which sounds like the new Marvel movie, but <laughs> it might be the next wave of our reality and what the Eagles are currently living through and the idea that perhaps the Perth teams do get out to try to preserve. Um, there are... The, the notion of the top-up lists was, oh, yeah, now it's a very cold reality, and I yeah. suspect it'll be a reality that, uh, that hits hard in the first six weeks of the season. And it, it is bizarre that we have stories like Aaron Black in Perth and other players that are just going to come out of nowhere and suddenly they're playing AFL footy, and there might be one or two who end up getting an extended career out of it in a bizarre turn of events. So how, what sort of nick are you in, Del? No, 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 Anthony. Those days are well and truly gone. And the one bit you quickly forget, and there is a component of working in the women's program just given their physical capabilities, and then covering a handful of games through the community series and also um, the pracky matches and that, you forget how fast these guys are. Like, it, it's it's an off-season where they've all improved. And, the, you know, I covered... The D's played the Kangas at Casey Fields. And when you're up close and you can hear them again, you're quickly reminded 
these guys are elite and their ability on turnover in particular was just like a flash and the ball had gone from one end of the ground to the other. So I, like, I do like those stories, Hutto, and it gives everybody hope and you know, a, a lot of the reality is that not many of them will actually come to anything substantial. But I think it's pretty cool that you can still be out there you know, kicking the dew off the grass and thinking, actually, this yeah. might be my time. You never know what happens in this crazy world. I was here yesterday for the season launch at the MCG. Basha Hooley was a panellist, and he said that uh, he got a call from Richmond just is to right? check on what sort of condition he was in and whether he was keen. He said, nah, no way. <laughs> but, um, but the, that, you know, there, uh, there's obviously been a, you know, a bit of that about, well, go to an ex-player who at least, you know, knows what they've got to do. Well, every time been. I think X-Play, and this guy's been out of the league for six years, I instantly go to Brent Harvey. Uh, I, I think we're all waiting to see I North think Melbourne's it's crazy. And I speak to Boomer every now and then, and between us... He'd be the first to have He still it. thinks he can play. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks like he can, and he probably could, is the reality of the situation. Well, the other bloke we know who has always probably oh. thought that he could play, used to play for some killers. 12, he? that's correct. Yeah. And the issue with Nick Rebold is he's actually in better Nick now than he was when he played. When he finished. So if he had actually put in some pre preparation and dug in, there might have been some different results along the way. Our pre-game show is for Beaumont Tiles, Australia's biggest. So the first of the formalities tonight is the, the flag unveiling, which Ron Barassi, Hassaman, Greg Wills, Stan Elves, Gary Lyon, Todd Viney, David Neitz and Nathan Jones are going to be a part of. So that's that's demon royalty right there in a ceremony that will be loaded with meaning for those who will come in early to, to see it. At, at one end of the scale, Nathan Jones is going to be part of our team during the season, so it's going to be great to tap into his experiences both you know, in the long term of his career, but as to what he went through last year, we've, we've obviously worked with, with Gaz so much and we all know, know David Neitz, but Jared, you and I have the time of you've worked with Stan extensively in your time at the ABC. When I started out, I was working with Ron Barassi, and you know the famous saying about never meet your heroes. Well, it couldn't have applied less to Ron Barassi, who was just the most generous, honest, honest to a fault person you could ever meet. And we had some lovely dinners across the road, Geppettos, and I was sitting there going, I'm sitting here with Ron Barassi eating dinner before walking across to the MCG. And yep. You know, Rex occasionally used to sort of tease Barass about various things, but, yeah, I mean, it was just so great to see him, wasn't it? Even though from a distance last year be a part of, of the Premiership, given his storied history with the Melbourne Football One Club. One thing I have loved about the story of the Dees last year is there's been a lot of these players that have had significant parts to play in the history of Melbourne that were able, able to reunite or able to find that connection. We heard about the era of Gary Lyon and they are all on the WhatsApp chat and... It brings people back together and it also shows the importance of a history within a football club. Now, history doesn't have to mean that you've won a flag or lots of flags, but to get from where they were 57 odd years ago to where they are now, a lot of people have come and gone and made that football club a, a, a better place. And it's nice for them to be recognised in the team success that we'll see tonight. If you are on your way to the ground, is download the SEN app before you get here. And once you're inside, open it up and you'll get the SEN Stadium tile. So this is the real-time call, no delay. Pop your earbuds in. It's, it's the advancement in technology, which is finally a practicality. You can listen to the footy in real-time whilst watching it. Just download the SEN app before you get here and the tile appears once you're inside the ground. There's also test cricket tonight. The full call is there available for you. Hutto and I will keep a close eye on this. Australia took a wicket just before lunch. Pakistan three for 254. The home side requires 252 runs to win with a couple of sessions remaining. Australia needs seven wickets. Pat Cummins 
provided the wicket uh, after a lot of toil through those first two hours. Shafiq out for 96. Smith caught him this time, having dropped him on 20. So that's the one dismissal. Babar Azam is 133. And the middle order now to be dealt with by the Australians. But that is proving hard going and has done since well, the one session where a flurry occurred. It's been the only session of the series so far. So Australia still needing seven wickets to win for the first time at Karachi. Yeah, fa fascinating, wasn't it? After what happened in the first test and then the first two days, and then it looked like Australia were going to dominate. But, um, oh, it's great, great to see. What's your feel for the season broadly? Is You both saw some of the practice matches and, and called the Aiming Community Series. Um, so the individual teams we'll work with, and it is a stacked opening round, which I absolutely love. What's your overall sense of what we're embarking upon in 2022? Well, I thought we were going to get some normality, was was my honest answer, that, hey, this is the way that the program's been set week to week, and we're going to know exactly for the first time in a couple of years when I get ready to go to the football, that game will be on, and it will be the teams that I think that are playing at that certain time. I feel like that has slightly changed a tiny bit, and I want to be a little bit cautious in that going forward. So I feel like as a supporter of the game, we've still got some... Um, challenges in front of us and we need to be agile once again as Gil McLaughlin told us two years ago but overall I love what we expect from a season in regards to individual teams Gene we won't go into specifics. There's a lot of unknowns though but isn't there? There's so many unknowns. And, and you think that you know what you're going to get from individuals and teams but geez you're made to look foolish really quickly and that's the exciting thing about football and I think most teams off the back of what the Dogs have done, the Ds have done and the Tigers have done in recent years, everybody thinks they're a chance. And it's a great starting position. I know we're, we're going to go down to the boundary, but maybe just to throw into things. What are, what are the, in the old Donald Rumsfeld uh, terminology, what are the known knowns? What, what do we actually know is going to happen this year? Um, I know that Melbourne are going to be good. Yeah. And we haven't, and we haven't actually been able to say that because you even think about where they were two years ago and then where they were at this point last year. We didn't know. When you get tangible outcomes and the confidence that that breeds and the ability for them to fight and scrap when they have to, that is now a known. They can do it on the biggest stage against adversity. Um, outside of that, Hutto, we think that we know who's roughly a good team and who's not, but that's about all I've got for you at this stage. Yeah. Is there any, have you got Jared? any other absolute certainties, Jared? Uh, I reckon the bottom set are really easy to identify and that's not to be disparaging because most of them have declared their journey yep. so North Melbourne will be slightly better than last year uh, Hawthorne are beginning so they are ground zero Adelaide we know where they are and Collingwood have gone in a direction which doesn't mean necessarily that uh, they'll be terrible win-loss but Bucks it's more likely than not. You with his bullishness or yes, do you think there's yes. a there's is, I don't is that, that more his view, or is he barracking, or what do you reckon? No, I think that is a reflection of just how highly he rates the players that he coached and what the best of it looks like. But they're not set up, are they, to maximise those best players this year. This is all about feeding games in and lifting them up together. And history says that they'll be in the bottom set of teams this year before embarking on that journey north. I think so, unless Nick Dacos wins the brown line. Oh. What about his performance in that pracky match against the Giants last week? Oh, my golly gosh. Um, Some of the new faces are such a feature this weekend and those returning. Let's just head down to the boundary because a, bit, a central part of tonight is what happens in 20 minutes' time with the unfurling of the flag. We ran you through Melbourne Royalty. 
from Ron Barassi to Nathan Jones and the landmark names in the middle, which include Todd Viney. Todd, it's great to have you on AFL Nation. Welcome. Thanks, Jared. No, fantastic night and uh, looking forward to um, unfurling this flag. So your son tells a beautiful story. What does the pre what is the Premiership Cup meant to your ilk, to people like you who gave so much to this club? Oh, it's, uh, it's hard to put into words. It's just something that, you know, for me, I thought maybe the Demons fans were just going to... Uh, it's just what's going to happen, you know, the Norm Smith curse. And for whatever reason, you thought maybe it's just not in our, in our world. But um, to see it come together over a long period of time now and to see the guys do the job they did last year, finish the mine around as premiers, you thought we were in good shape. You know, we'd been in the... Uh, in a couple of grand finals in 1988 and then 2000 and we were blowing off the park but this time it was something a bit different where they finished on top and um, they thoroughly deserved to be there and to see it happen was amazing. And the cup itself Todd so when Jack brings it down to the farm did it surprise you at the, just how emotive that was? Like it did Jared like um, I'm, I'm a big boy now and I don't cry that often but uh, since Jack brought that up, I've just cried randomly. Like, at certain things, at certain times, I might be just by myself, see a bit of a highlight of the Premiership uh, performance, and I'll start crying. And uh, it's a little bit embarrassing, to tell you the truth, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to embrace that sensitive side of me. Hey, Todd, congratulations on all you, you put in. Is, do you think that emotion is... is and that's probably a combination, but is it more of the years of heartache as a player? Is it your son? Is it the years that you put in as a, an administrator, a coach, and all the rebuilding that, that went on through those really dark years? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Hunter. I think it's all of that. You know, it's just been such a long journey over 30 years of uh, playing, um, administration, coaching, um, you know, the passing of the greats of, you know, Jim Steins, Robbie Flower, Sean, Sean White, Rod Broadbridge, you know, Colin Sylvia. It's sort of been a lot of, uh, a lot of emotion tied up in all that. Um, and to see, see it all come together, you know, as I said, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get there as a player in my second year. Um, and we're just blowing up the park. And to go to every grand final since then and just sit there and the first bounce goes and literally you shed a tear and thinking it was fantastic. Um, it would have been great to have won one. Um, so it's all those emotions, and to see Jack, you know, my son, um, obviously go through all the trials and tribulations of a player and having a little bit of guilt, really, about, you know, he's gone to this club as father-son in early days when he first started, and he's spoken about this a little bit. You know, there was a lot of uh, trauma in that for him as well. So for him to go through that and actually come out, uh, play well in that final series and win a premiership, um, you know, all those emotions just keep coming out of me. Todd, as you stand on the edge of the MCG right now and we're half an hour away or an hour away from the ball being bounced, what different emotions do you have now and the expectation on this group compared to your whole life, you know, in the way that this club has gone about their football? This is the first time you've experienced the expectation of this group as you stand and get ready to launch this season. No, that's, uh, that's a good point, Nick. And I think, you know, we've done it once. Um, we, uh, when we were building the list um, through the nine years when I was there, um, we spoke about trying to build a team and a culture around sustained success, and this is going to be the first test of it. And we try and pick the uh, the players we thought had that real competitive spirit, you know, whether they were 10 goals up, 10 goals down, that they were going to uh, keep competing. And I think we saw that in the final series last year when, when they were challenged. And now this is another part of the game where, you know, there is expectations, there is um, a weight of expectations from the 
public, the media, and um, you know they've talked a pretty good game. So uh, all of a sudden we hear you know board boards and uh, media talking about dynasties. Well, you know you've got to park all that and just get back to work. And tonight's going to be a good sign to see whether that's at the case. So there's a little bit of apprehension about it and see how we handle that moment. But I'm pretty confident that we'll do the right things. You're a pretty modest guy, Todd, and I've known you for quite a while. What emotions do you have and how do you feel about the way that the clubs embrace some of their past greats, which you are one. You speak about the documentary that got launched in the last week or so and you're involved in the presentation tonight. What does that mean to you and the other guys that are involved as past greats? Look, it, uh, it means the world. Um, you know, premierships have a great way of bringing people together and past players. Like, we haven't had a very strong past players association, but uh, the build-up of the success of last year, Rod Grinter as the past president, uh, past player and president of the past players association, Gary Pert worked really closely together and putting together the WhatsApp group, and um, they've all come together as, as one, and to be part of that... Um, it's been really exciting. The way the clubs shared the the Premiership Cup with their supporters and the members, their past players, we certainly feel like we're a big club now. How choreographed is the unfurling of the flag? Have you got your roll absolutely down, Don't Pat? Don't stuff it up, Todd. I'm a little bit nervous, Jared, to tell you the truth. I missed out on the Zoom meeting, so I'm going to be uh, winging it a little bit, but surely it can't be that hard. No, surely it can't. The hard work's been done. Todd, enjoy it. Fantastic of you to join us. Uh, enjoy the night. Thanks very much, Jared. Thanks for having me. Todd Viney, who's part of the, a cavalcade that will include Ron Barassi, Hassaman, Greg Wills, Stan Elves, Gary Lyon, David Neitz and Nathan Jones. And it has been a beautiful aspect to it, which has given voice there. And I, I, that, that's such an interesting moment as he felt guilt that mm. his son had ended yeah, up at the I club. Yeah, thought of that angle. Yeah, at, at their lowest ebb because of his link mm. to it. So there's all sorts of ways that father and son relationships break. Funny, a little bit like that WhatsApp group. I reckon there'll be a lot of people putting their hand up saying, I was a part of it all of a sudden, Jared. And as a father feeling like you were responsible for your son's choosing of a football club, and he was like, that's absolutely why I was a legend of this football club, so my son could go there and win a flag. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on safety and big on tech. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. And now it's yours from 47.990 Drive Away. Take a tech drive today. So the, the Melbourne faithful have been placed very much at the punt road ends, but this is going to be in front of the members' reserve, which uh, we're told is going to be teaming with these fans when the unfurling happening happens. On AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles for all your tiling needs in stock now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles for all your tiling needs in stock now. Show on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles, Australia's biggest at the MCG. It's been a nice enough day in Melbourne. There's just patches of blue sky against the, the overcast cloud that has come in. The late afternoon lights as Melbourne fans have arrived nice and early at the punt road end and in the members' reserve to see the unfurling of their flag tonight. The Bulldogs are the other side of the equation. They're about to head out onto the ground and do their warm-ups. The team news is starting to filter through. So Adam Tomlinson is in the demon side, returning from his... ACL injury, which cruelly robbed him mm. of his chance last year. And that means Jake Lever is an out. 
So one of the two key planks down back, not there for the Demons. And Toby Bedford is going to be the sub. But no. They do. They have been a bit undermanned in that back half, mm. haven't they, through the pre-season. So that's, that's an area where they are below their best. So in the set of players who are resuming their careers, is Tomlinson is a welcome sight this week. It's a, it's a great sight. And I saw him play out in that pracky match against the Kangas a couple of weeks ago and took up his new usual post across the half-back line. He did not, did not look out of uh, place at all. I still wonder about the role, you know, when he came across from the Giants as that winger and needing more opportunity. At the Giants, he played that, I think they told it, the, the offside winger, and then he comes for a new opportunity, then ultimately becomes a half-backer and then misses all of last year. So he's sort of a complex story, but he's really complimented when he had been playing about what he can do. So, first of all, you wish him all the best. You don't want anyone to miss that amount of football and then ultimately miss a grand final off the back of it. So... We'll, uh, we'll see Interesting how he goes. Though, he's going to be challenged Smith, tonight. Joel Smith was preferred to him in the initial team, yeah. so it's, there's going to be no guarantees. He's 10 months. So they basically came back after 10 months, so it's pretty early. Without to... knowing, Hutter, I wonder if there's a piece in that that let's not rush it, that it's not at the stage where we have to force you back in. Let, let's give you one additional week in mind, maybe try and get some additional work into him, but also having full confidence. So the big question coming in about selection tonight was the Tom Morris story about Lockie Hunter. Yes. Now he was named in the team, Jared. Is he playing or not? No, he's not. What? It's a late change. Lockie Hunter is the medical son. Okay, so he's... So Hunter and Martin are out of the selected 22? Do we select 22 or 25? 25. 25. 20... 24. No, there's yeah, 22, so tw 22 in emergency. So Hunter and Martin were in the 22. They're out. Yes. Hayden Crozier and Ryan Gardner are in. And then Hunter is the medical sub. So he, he's not in the 22. So here's my question for Luke Beveridge. And I saw his press conference last night. And he got a little bit chippy at it. And I don't mind that. I like a little bit of back and forth when it comes to a midweek press conference. But my first one for Luke Beveridge is, who's the rat who is leaking this information? Because there's only a small group of people that would know that sort of stuff if it is kept as close to their chest as most of these situations are. He's got to weed them out. He's got to weed them out. This is like the departed. He's got to find out exactly who is... And he might have to write it on a notepad, but he's got to throw out a couple of furfies to see which ones ultimately get back and then just decipher who stays and who goes. It's too much mucking around heading into round one. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's smoke and mirrors. But I don't... I mean... Whether it has any effect on the game, I'm not quite sure. But at the end of the day, you roll out with 22 of your best. You take on the opposition and the best team should come out on top anyway. So Tom's story was that Lockie Hunter knew that he was out of the team and was really disappointed. Like, that was the nub of it. And you would say that that stands correct. Well, it does this, now, doesn't it? At this stage, it seems very true. But even the way that Luke Beveridge was answering some of those questions, you could tell that there was a little bit of smoke going around. What's your take? Let's just go back one step and actually speak about the Lockie Hunter situation. So we get this broad stroke of, you know, why he's in or why he's out, you know, in this particular week. Where does that leave him? How can someone of Lockie Hunter's ability and impact that he's had for multiple years not be in the Dogs' best team in round one? So he, I guess he would have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. Is that has to be an assessment of preparation, doesn't it? Well, there's nothing else to judge it on. I mean, you would imagine he's got are... feedback from the coach as to what it is. Yeah, I mean, no they do have. A... There's no doubt they've been having conversations. This just doesn't come out of yeah. the blue. I mean, there's obviously a bevy of midfielders. But the thing that you immediately turn think about, well, I did anyway, was what you know what happened with Mitch Wallace and 
it, basically the position became redundant. So it's a little bit different in this case with Lockie Hunter. You'd think he'll fight his way back, but it will be fascinating. Well, it's such a statement to be made in round one, isn't it? That's the thing. And particularly with the added story that's well, going on. I know football's not all about disposals, but he is a guy that averaged 22 disposals last year, 13 of them kicks, you, you know, 377 metres gain. So it's not like he wastes a lot of the football. And I know they do have a lot of midfielders and they've got great depth. But you would have thought, all being equal, that he's in the team. So there's clearly something bubbling away. So Jason Johannesson lived this fate last year, left out of the round one team and then was the medical sub in round two. And this is a marker of, of Beveridge's coaching. This, he doesn't settle the team. He, he really doesn't have much interest in settling his team. So he, he likes to keep players on edge and he likes to keep fluidity at selection when even when he doesn't necessarily need to. And Jared, would your assessment of that be then that it works? It works for... Luke Beveridge and the Western Bulldogs as a collective based on the evidence that we've seen for his time there? Well, I think they last year they lived the season in the top two and then fumbled it late. And you can you can time that to Josh Bruce if you want to and say that their, their structure fell apart once he departed. They were in all sorts heading into the final series and then quite brilliantly played their way through to a grand final to lead it halfway through the third quarter. Mm. So I, I, I don't think I would be overly inclined to second-guess him. And you don't know the counterfactual. If he was a coach who went, no, I'm going to settle my best side and let them run through the year, would they be Would they be the pick of the crop? It's, it's unanswerable. I don't want to interrupt. I'm just watching Jason Johannesson walk from the Oval by himself while the rest of his teammates are doing warm-ups. And I've just watched one of their head physios walk into the rooms as well. And he appears to be a little oh, bit... Yeah short step that I'd describe that as. It yeah. looks like possibly a right leg, so we'll just keep a close eye on that as well. Jason Johannesson walking from the MCG. So he'll be the late, late out. Lockie <laughs> so Hunter will be back, back in. in. <laughs> Told you, Tom, your story was wrong. You know, that's what... Bevo is a brilliant man, isn't he? So the whole what of the Bulldogs' approach to this year, to their trajectory? Luke Hodge was tremendous this morning, just graphically detailing how, as the beaten grand finalists, the only thing he was interested in was when they played the Swans the first time around when the fixture landed. He remembers none of playing the teams that he beat the next year. Yep. Totally irrelevant to him. But well, I can they wanted to, that to work through it. There's so not many things in my down. life that I can relate, in my football career, that I can relate with uh, Luke Hodges' football career. But I can relate to coming off the back of lost grand finals in your preparation. Now, I must admit, I wasn't as focused on the team that beat us that following year. But it was for us, it was about taking the risk again. And it's the emotional risk. Jared, that physically, you know, you, you work roughly near your best every pre-season and it's all about your pre-season in regards to having a good season. But it was the risk to put yourself in a vulnerable position mentally to be hurt just as much. And, and they are. They, they hurt. They are devastating. And, you know, they take time to get over and to assess and, re, re, and really reflect on. But it was about, you know, getting back on the horse, doing what works for you as an individual but also as a collective. And I can distinctly remember it started on night one. It wasn't about, hey, we'll build into this year and, hey, we are a good team and we'll flick the switch or turn the tap at the right time. It was, hey, we don't have that luxury. We are, we are going to go back to what works for us and see, you know, you almost accept what happens off the back of that. It's the outcome. But it was all about the process. So, I mean, Luke Hodge is in a position after 16 or 17 years where he's experienced everything. It, it is hard. Like people, people talk about a premiership hangover. But you can also have the disappointment in your heart that it, it actually goes the other way on you as well. And is it worth it? You know, can we get back to the top of the tree again? So what will you look for early in the Bulldogs season? Um, effort. 
effort. And I know that's a really broad term and there's ways that we'll be able to measure that, but just their desire. And I think there'll even be moments tonight where... No, they're if, freed from desire, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll have decisions to make, you know, on field. You know, are you prepared to cover for a teammate? Are you prepared to put your head over the football where... You know what? Maybe you don't have to. Will you go back with the flight of the football? There'll be moments tonight that I think Luke Beveridge will be assessing his team on, yep, you know, we're in it again and our hearts and our minds are in it again. Or, all right, we've got some work to do from here. Do they have the capacity to be Absolutely. the best team in it? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. And, and the, their forward line is still the question mark for me. They had six goals from Trelaw and Bontempelli in that grand final. That, I don't know if that's sustainable. Bontempelli, yes. Trelaw, we'll wait and see. But without Josh Bruce without Jamara Ugelhagen for different reasons. That's who, fascinating who, too, isn't it? No, who kicks, yeah. Who kicks no their goals? Indication that he's going to be in the team anytime soon from Bevo. Would you like a clearer answer? Do you think, not us, do you think Western Bulldog supporters want a little bit more clarity on where their number one pick is? Well, he wasn't inclined to really do that until it was absolutely pushed last year, was he? Mm. So it's a, it's a bit the same, isn't it, with Bevo? You don't want to talk down your future prized asset and the only way to explain it would to be to be to explain his shortcomings. Mm. I don't think Which, you want to give voice to his shortcomings. I, I agree. And, it's, and maybe it's a compliment to the rest of the team that Jamara will be a really good player, which we all expect, but it's just not yet. He's not in the team yet. He will be, and he'll be a really good player. But where, where the Western, I'm speaking on behalf of Luke Beveridge, where the Western Bulldogs are right now, he's not in the team yet. It was telling last year that he came in and, and was actually okay. Yep. And yet, when it got close, they were like he wasn't. It was like they didn't even consider him an option to replace in that play in that Josh Bruce thing. And the other element of that, obviously, is what does Tim English do? And it's been indicated he's going to ruck this year. But uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it all works out, particularly with a few West Australian clubs keen on Tim but, English. But also too. keep in mind that they don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like yes, they got beaten comfortably in a grand final, but it's not about reinventing the wheel for the dogs. This is small tweaks and small parts of consistency from individuals that can have a significant difference in the last weekend. Now, the Melbourne ceremony is just like it's about to start, Jared. I just got a text from a, a mate who said it's no longer easy to get into a Melbourne game. He sent me a photo from out the front probably 10 or 15 minutes ago, just packed it out the front trying to get in. So hopefully not too many Melbourne fans are going to miss this. We're not pining for the days where there were no cars out on Punt Road and Brooklyn <laughs> well, down, down is. The good old days. I don't know if there was crashes on the way in, but that was uh, a little bit hectic this afternoon. Kate Rothie and Gary Pert march the uh, the Premiership Cup out onto the members' wing. It'll be put on the rostrum, and we'll shortly see the flag. Uh, they are running just a... There we are. It's held up to all corners of the MCG where the Melbourne faithful have gathered. And it's a rousing response as well it might be to that most prized of trophies so we'll, uh, Melbourne faithful we pick up Kate put your hands up if you thought in your lifetime this day would never come <laughs> lots of hands we are standing in the middle of our spiritual home the MCG about to unfurl the 2021 men's AFL Premiership flag and kick off the 2022 men's AFL season. And I might add, we are doing that as the reigning Premiers. <laughs> Melbourne Faithful, you have waited an extraordinarily long time for this moment. 
57 years. We talk about a premiership year. It hasn't been a premiership year. For this club, it has been at least a premiership decade where so many people have worked so hard to rebuild this club from the ground up and to make sure that we are a club whose men and women who represent the red and the blue so proudly can challenge for premierships year in and year out. We have a premiership. We can see our beautiful premiership cup. We hope it is the first of many. We have built this club for success. We will not be satisfied with one premiership. In a little bit over a week, our women will commence their journey towards their first AFLW premiership. Tonight, our men will kick off the 2022 AFL's men's season and start their journey towards their next premiership. I wasn't alive when we last raised a premiership flag, but Melbourne faithful, I can assure you, and I'm not an optimist, but I'm pretty certain I will be alive the time we raised our next one. Enjoy tonight. This is your the cup. Demon it's your premiership flag. Please turn it's your attention to the big screen and let's get that flag out here. It unites us. It separates us from the rest. And it makes us who we are today. The Melbourne Football Club. The riders of the rules and the pioneers of a game for all. The demon spirit was forged by fire. Strengthened in the face of adversity to the point of becoming unbreakable. In the toughest of times, it remains ever-present. It trusts in its people. It demands excellence. It respects the game. And it unites a legion. Throughout history, it has been dim, but it has never burned out. Because that's the thing about the demon spirit. It's eternal. Then, now, and forever. Now for the moment we've all been waiting for. Please welcome to the MCG, the 2021 Premiership flag. It's being presented by some true Melbourne legends and former captains of the club. Presenting decades from 1964 to 2021. Our first legends joining us tonight in the carrying of the Premiership flag are Stan Alves two-time club best and fairest and four-time state representative honours. Greg Wells, two-time club best and fairest and five-time state representative honours. Man, three-time Premiership player, three-time club best and fairest, and two-time All-Australian honours. Todd Viney, two-time club best and fairest, five-time state and All-Australian representative honours.
two-time club best and fairest, six-time state representative and five-time All-Australian honours. David Neitz. 306 games in the red and blue. Club best and fairest, two-time state representative, Coleman medalist and two-time All-Australian honours. Nathan Jones. in the red and blue. Three-time club best and fairest honours and former captain. And finally, Ron Barassi. Six-time Premiership player, three-time All-Australian honours and Australian Football Hall of Fame legend. delivers the flag to its pole it'll be clipped up and hoisted in a few moments time as each of those legends goes and takes their place Ron Barassi stretches out the premiership flag of 2021 let it go Ronnie <laughs> how good's that brilliant sight the flames fly the demon faithful spirits soar and the flag is before them, paraded around the MCG. Tree for the Melbourne fans who are here and now they can settle in and watch their premiership team go to work at the start of the 2022 season. Our experts throughout our AFL Nation team are dressed thanks to Ringers Western. Ringers Western clothing looks great in the city and toughs it out on the land. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Follow Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs to begin the 2022 AFL season. AFL Nation for Red Energy Moving House called Local Energy Retailer Red Energy. Before we set our minds to this with Nick Del Santo, let's get the sports bet updates. It's time for an odds update. Thanks to Sportsbet. Sportsbet's bet with mates. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Here we go. Melbourne taking on the Bulldogs to kick us off for the 2022 AFL season. Now, 
The D's, they're heavy favourites to get this one done, and I think they're going to do just that at around the $1.50 price tag. But the doggies, now, they're probably a bit longer than they should be at $2.50, so there's value on the doggies there. But I do think that the Demons get it done at the end. But either way, it's set to be a cracker. The best market here, though, does not come in the head-to-head for me. It's going to be big Maxi Gorn to snag two or more goals at the $5 price tag. Now, I reckon this is the last time we get a price like that this year for Maxi Gorn because Luke Jackson, well, he's a revelation last season in the ruck, and it just means that they can throw the big fella forward a little bit more this year, which should result in Maxi Gorn hitting the scoreboard a little bit more than what we're used to. So it's going to be Max Gorn to kick two or more goals at $5. Enjoy the game, and as always, gamble responsibly. Thanks to Sportbet, gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Nick Del Santo saw it, the forlorn figure of Jason Johannesson hobbling from the MCG. He forecast it, and it's official. Well, confirmed, Jared. Uh, leg soreness is all we know at this stage after the warm-up. And Lockie Hunter is back into the team. <laughs> into the 22, Jamara Hagen becoming the sub. So this has been quite the roller coaster with uh, the Hunter story. In, out, in, out, in, out. He's in. The, and dogs, the dogs are out. Yes, they're out. Marcus Bontempelli led them forth. There's not many Dogs fans here. No. I did get a couple of messages this morning, Hutto, saying... I'm not going to watch Melbourne revel in our faces beforehand. I'm it's either going to point. arrive very late or sit it out. Yeah, it's and a fair point. Like a, 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 a cheer squad and a host behind them and, and sprinkled down at that city end. But you're right, the rest of the ground, you would imagine, is a predominant. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.